There are going to be many portions in this musical that we're going to invite you to sing along. So when I turn around and wave at you, that's your cue to, to sing along. And CJ, if you'll get those on the screen for us there. Thank you. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered the human race. He was poor, a carpenter like his stepfather, and spent most of his life in one of the smallest towns in the world. He lived only 33 years, of which only the last three made up his public ministry. And yet, he is not only remembered to this day, but even the date of our morning newspaper bears witness to the fact that Jesus was one of the greatest men who ever lived. What makes him different from the other great prophets who have lived and died throughout the ages? What makes him more than a carpenter, a good man, a prophet, a beloved teacher? Well, the main difference is Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Isaiah foretold his coming centuries before he made his appearance in Bethlehem. And then, just before Jesus was born, an angel appeared to Joseph, the carpenter from Nazareth, with these words. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and, and they, they will, will call, call him Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God with us.
The great theologian C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, either Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Jesus once asked his own disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, Simon son, son of, of Jonah, Jonah you, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. or Lord and God. You must choose what to believe. 
Is he Lord or not? Some might try to tell you that real proof of this fact is based on an ancient document, the Bible, that is out of date. Well, aren't other historical facts based on the eyewitnesses of those who lived in the time? Here are the words of one of Jesus' closest friends, Simon Peter. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This, this is, is my Son, whom I love. With, with him, him I am, am well pleased.
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We, we proclaim, proclaim to you what, what we, we have seen and heard. heard. John the Apostle wrote that he and all the others who saw, heard, touched, and believed were willing to give their lives for that message and that cause. They had seen Jesus himself die a horrible death to be the sacrifice for them and for us and for everyone for all time. They had to, that had to be some incredible power that would have transformed so many. What person, what event could have had that kind of power? The transforming event was an execution on a Roman cross and the person was Jesus.
of the cross and maybe even understand why Jesus had to die. But his disciples were not expecting that of their Savior. Three days later, however, there was a convincing discovery. The body of Jesus was no longer in the tomb where he had been buried. How could this be? Had he not really been dead in the first place? Had someone moved his body? Was it a hoax or a devious plot to unnerve those who had believed? Listen now Luke's account of what happened with the disciples after the grave had been found empty. Jesus himself stood among his disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see me. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations.
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed to be the only way to God. Some have argued, can't a person just live a good life and believe there is a God and still go to heaven? Well, if Jesus was telling the truth, then he meant what he said. He is the only way. Hebrews 10 says this. There is a sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he has provided for us. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance. No need to guess or wonder. John repeats this theme in the first of his letters. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if, if we, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us.
every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and those who are on the earth and those who are under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My name is Keith Culifer and this is my story. On a beautiful autumn day in October 20th of 1981, I went deer hunting, which I love to do very much. I love the outdoors and, and the woods. Taking my younger brother for his first hunting trip, I put him in the stand and I walked approximately 100 yards from his stand and sat on a tree stump. I was hunting on approximately 1,000 acres of private land and after sitting there for an hour, a shot rang out and immediately uh, I was hit after the second shot and the speed of the bullet preceded the, the speed of sound on the second shot. My body wobbled like jello as it absorbed the impact of the 30-06 bullet striking me at a velocity of over 2,000 miles per hour in my neck. The impact was equivalent to 2,800 pounds of foot pressure on my neck. The sound was if it was in, I was in a deep hollow shaft and the air was being sucked out as, as if I was in a super vacuum. After a few seconds, my body rolled face forward into the ground from a sitting position. I immediately heard the sound liking to the foaming sound of the ocean as the waves crack as they hit the beach. Blood started flowing out of my mouth and I saw the brightest, whitest light I have ever seen. I realized I could be dying. I began to cry out in my spirit to God for mercy and grace and forgiveness. I had no air. I couldn't say anything. Immediately, when I cried out to the Lord, it was like taking a deep breath after running a tall flight of stairs. And the peace of God and the calm of Jesus came over me that surpasses all understanding. At this point, still lying face down, unable to move, not knowing where I was shot due to the trauma to my cervical cord and my spine, blood gurgling out of my mouth and trying to breathe, I thought my brother had accidentally shot me. The intensity of the throbbing, pulsing sensations in the tips of my fingers and the top of my head and the tips of my toes was incredible. I thought at any moment one or the other would burst. Suddenly, I hear a groan and the sound of, of someone coming out of a tree. And then I hear them hit the ground and the leaves rustling. And then I hear that person running towards me. He got to me and he rolled me over. And that is the person that shot me. I recognize his face. I know who he is. He sees blood all over me and begins to become distraught. He lights a cigarette. I talk to him, trying to calm him down, realizing that he is my only ticket outside of getting help. I had peace, I had calm. He was hunting on an adjacent piece of property and shot across the boundary line. He, he tried to take my jacket off and I told him he was gonna have to cut it. As he cut up my arm with his knife, he found the wound on my left shoulder in my back and it was the size of an egg. He became much worse and much more distraught. 
I told him my 15-year-old brother James was over there, and he starts hollering for James. And he, he called James over, and James comes up, and he's standing there, and he looks at me, and he shudders, and he says, what's happening? And I told him, James, I've been shot. I need your help. Everything is in slow motion for me at this point. I couldn't get comfortable with my neck. I felt a burning in my neck and couldn't get comfortable. And he took his jacket off and propped it against my neck without moving it, thinking he might hurt me even further. The other hunter ran to get help while James tried to comfort me. I was closing my eyes trying to get relief from the burning sensation and my brother started slapping me in the face. He slapped me so much, he was trying to keep me awake. Here's a 15-year-old kid doing the right thing. I finally had to tell him to quit slapping me. He hit me so much. 45 minutes after getting shot, the Harris County EMS arrives. The ambulance overheated on the way, and they had to pull up to someone's house to get water and to cool the uh, ambulance down. The sheriff placed the paramedic in his patrol car and continued to my location. As the paramedic is running down the ridge to, to my location, he steps in a wood hole and severely injures his leg. Putting his own adversity aside, he arrives and examines me. I have no vital signs. He starts an IV drip and puts mass trousers on my body, which essentially is a body tourniquet. By this time, the woods are crawling with people. They put a backboard under me. They scoop me up and carry me up the hill to the ambulance for the 22-mile ride to the medical center ER. Praise God for medical people. When I arrived at the ER, the first person I see is my mom. The concern on her face broke my heart. I looked at my mom and I assured her that I would be okay. My mom brought me into this world. Jesus allowed me to lead her to Christ. And she died in my arms when she left this place. And I know she's going to be there when Jesus calls me home. And I just want to say hallelujah. Praise God for all you mothers. You're so special. They rolled me into the exam room and I became nauseated from all the blood that I had ingested after getting sick and cleaned up and they're doing their exams and treatments and x-rays. They placed me in surgical ICU. I was in the hospital for nine days under their care, wonderful care, and required no surgery at that time. I recently, within the last two weeks, met one of the medical people that was in the ER that day after 35 years. When I walked up to him, he approached me. He did not shake my hand. He grabbed me by the shoulder and whirled me around and said, I want to see your shoulder and your back. He said that they brought you in on a backboard with mass trousers on and that we did not realize that you were going to even make it out of there. He said, you were shaking like a leaf. 
and you were very lucky to survive. I looked at him and I told him, there is no such thing as luck. That's called the grace of God. Funny thing is, I don't remember uh, anything about the details of the ER and shaking like a leaf and being that critical. I remember all the other details vividly as I'm seeing you today. I attribute that to the perfect peace of Jesus that covered me at that time. It took me two years to recover from my injuries before I could return to work. I had to learn how to use my hands again. I was an athlete. I had tremendous hand-eye coordination. And to have that taken away was as traumatic as getting shot for me. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't bathe myself. And my precious mother took care of me. I lost 25% of the muscle in my left shoulder. I had an injured, torn rotator cuff, torn labrum. I lived with that for 20 years before I had it surgically repaired by another great surgeon in Columbus, Georgia. Last year, damage to my neck. The bullet went in here when it hit me in the spine and it came, hit me in the shoulder and went out my back. The, the exit wound was the size of an egg Shrapnel and bone fragments are still in my back today. In April of last year, I had my level four, five, six replaced in my neck by another great surgeon in Columbus, Georgia. Praise the Lord. I heard every day of my life, and it reminds me of the cross and what Jesus did for me. I ask him almost daily for the strength and quality of life that he has given me. I will hurt to the day I die. But the day's coming when I'm going to be whole again, and I'm going to know what it's like to have a good back. I just, he raised me back up from the trash heap of this world so that I can stand on mountains with him. God allowed that two years of downtime to feed me. He could not put a funnel in my mouth and feed me any more than the desire, the insatiable desire that he gave me for his word. If you want to live a victorious life, the bread of life is how you live it. Jesus is the word. The things that he taught me in those two years, God is always faithful. I know how my story ends. I know how it ends. I'm a child of the living God. Royal blood runs through my veins. I am a king. I will rule and reign with him for eternity. He is the author of my faith. My challenge to you today is God, God shows no partiality. He loves each and every one of us. We all have a story. What is your story? Who is the author and finisher of your faith? Where does it end? Do you know the answer to that? I hope today before you leave, you know the answer if you don't know already. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God, I lift your name on high for you alone are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, 
I thank you for your time. God bless you.
team, I want to express your appreciation one more time to uh, choir, orchestra, instrumentalists, and thank you, thank you, very, very much. the very Son of God, who left heaven and came to this earth for one express purpose, and that was to die for you, uh, to pay the penalty of your sin, to take the punishment that you deserved, uh, to offer you the gift of forgiveness. And he rose again, and he offers that forgiveness, he offers new life to all who will surrender to him in the obedience of faith. You know, I go back to uh, Keith's testimony. Uh, right at the end, uh, he made this statement. He says, I know how my story will end. And you, you heard his confidence. Uh, you heard the assurance that he has that when he dies, that death will be merely a door that opens wide uh, into heaven and into the presence of Jesus. And here's reality. Jesus died and he rose again. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And every single one of us in this sanctuary this morning one day will face Jesus. Face to face. And the only issue when you face him will be, did you bow the knee to him? Did you acknowledge that he was your Lord, your Savior, as you put your trust in him and you surrendered your life to him? And we'll have that same assurance that Keith has, uh, that your home will be in heaven forever. If you have never bowed the knee to Jesus. If you don't do it now, you will do it. But it may be too late at that point. This is the time of salvation. This is the time of grace when God is offering his love, his forgiveness to you. And if you're here this morning and you have never bowed the knee, if you've never surrendered your life your heart to Jesus and putting your faith in him, that would be our plea. That would be our appeal that you would do that today. Would you bow with me in prayer just for a moment? Let me ask you, do you have the assurance, like Keith, that if you were to die today, heaven would be your home? And if you don't have that assurance, you can find it today through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible said that, says that he who has Jesus has life. 
but he who has not Jesus has not life. And I'm going to invite you right now to open your heart, to invite him in, to forgive you of your sins, to take control of your life. And if you're a believer this morning, a follower of Christ, the question for us is, are we following him out of hearts of gratitude and appreciation? Are we living to honor him, to obey him for who he is and what he did uh, for us? And so let me just allow just a few moments of just silence where each person can examine their own hearts before God. If you do not know him, then you pray, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Take control of my life. If you're a believer, express your love. Show your praise and your adoration and surrender your life afresh to follow him out of gratitude for the salvation that he's given you. Lord, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful time of worship. And we trust that it's been more than a feel-good experience, but that we've been confronted by Jesus, that we've encountered Jesus, whether it's coming to know him in salvation or as a believer, expressing our gratitude, our appreciation, in renewing our surrender to you. And so again, thank you that the one who was equal with God, Jesus, did not consider that equality with God a thing to selfishly use for his own advantage. But the one with all power, the one with all authority, the creator of heaven and earth, emptied himself. He poured his deity into human flesh. Not just to become a man, but the slave of men. And not just to, the sla to be the slave of men, but he humbled himself to the point of death. Even death on a cross. To save us from our sins. And we do acknowledge that as a result, God has exalted you and given you a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is our confession this morning. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we surrender our lives to you. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We're going to have one last uh, song of invitation. Uh, there may be... 
one here that would like to come forward making their public profession of faith. Uh, not ashamed to say, I just came to know Jesus, or I came to know Jesus recently, and I want to acknowledge uh, my faith in Christ. I want to acknowledge my love uh, in Him and, uh, and acknowledge that I'm part of God's family now to serve Him. Uh, possibly you've been visiting here, and uh, God's leading you to unite uh, with our church family and become a, a part of the family here, and we would love to, to have you. And uh, we, we trust that God will uh, prompt you to uh, do that. But I'll, I'll stand here for anyone that has a decision of any nature. So please stand for this uh, one uh, remaining hymn of invitation before we close. And you just be obedient to what God is speaking to your heart. And let's all be responding to His truth and to His grace and love. I believe in the sun. Come on now, sing it out to him. And I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Rejoice.
Okay, here we go. Let me introduce you. This is uh, Brock. Uh, Brock, remind me of your last name again. Everett. Everett. This is Brock Everett. His wife is actually down uh, in the nursery right now, uh, Jeanette. They have uh, two children, uh, David and Daniel. Uh, Brock is a staff sergeant uh, at Benning, and uh, he's coming forward, uh, not just himself, but on behalf of the family uh, to become a part of the church family here. look uh, forward to hearing more about his testimony. He uh, just indicated that God did something very significant in his life just this past Wednesday, uh, which is bringing him forward today uh, to acknowledge Christ uh, as his Lord uh, and his desire to follow him and obey him. And uh, Brock, it's a pleasure to have a good soldier like you unite with the church. We trust you'll be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. And we trust he'll give you the grace uh, to do so. Thank you for your wife being down in the nursery serving already. We appreciate that greatly. And I'm going to let you walk out with me to give our people an opportunity to express their love and appreciation. Andy, are you in a position where you can go out to the vestibule as well? I think our people would uh, like to express their appreciation to you uh, and uh, through you to the entire music ministry. And again, thank you again, choir, orchestra, instrumentalists, uh, all of you. Appreciate it uh, greatly. Andy, go ahead and take Brock out. I'm going to invite uh, Terry Hathaway, one of our elders. He'll close us in prayer. And God bless you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Reading scripture for our benediction. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Further in the New Testament, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.